When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. The one, the only, and in many respects, that's a good thing, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Had a good week last week. Went up to Coeur d'Alene to visit my daughter and son-in-law and three grandkids. And it was warm. Oh, right around 90. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. That's unusual for this time of the year up in Coeur d'Alene. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, usually they're a little cooler. Yeah. But, uh, well, you've been there. You know, yeah. it's a beautiful country. It is. The lake and the mountains and... So, but you know, when I travel that way up through, up above Idaho Falls, up into Montana, and I, and I see that country where, you know, the Nez Perce came through and, uh, where Lewis and Clark came through, and I just kind of try to imagine what it was like to picture them coming through oh, that man. area. Yeah. So, yeah. in fact, we are going to talk about, the Corps of Discovery, Lewis and Clark. Well, I was going to ask you, have we heard from Mr. Budweiser, yes. Wiebel, Fluster, yes, or whatever? Yes, he's live and well. And he lives where? In Germany. He lives in Germany, yeah, and he's yeah. listening right now. Probably, yeah. yeah. And I don't mean to make fun out of his name. What is his name? Schnitzelflusser. Well, I was probably <laughs> pretty close. I don't really know his real name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk to you about a unknown uh, Nez Perce Indian woman that I had never heard of, and I don't think you have, and I'm going to guess most people haven't. Okay. Her name is Wetsius. Wetsius? Wetsius. W-E-X? No, it's W-E-T-X-U-I-I-S. So I'm going to say Wexius. That sounds close enough. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of her story and her involvement with actually helping Lewis and Clark. Oh, uh, oh, she did. She actually helped them. So, and you'll see as we go along. So, you know, in August of 1805, the Corps of Discovery approached the headwaters of the Missouri River in the Rocky Mountains in western Montana. They had followed the river system for more than a thousand miles, and now they were in country that they had no idea what they were getting into. 
They knew they would need horses to pass over the mountains, and they hoped to get them from Sacagawea's people, the Lemhi Shoshone. Now, all of this was recorded in the diaries? In their journals. I see. But not everything, and that's what we're going to talk about. I see. So, so keep in mind, these were the Lemhi Shoshone, not the Nez Perce. Sacagawea's people. I see. All right. So they were in present-day Idaho, which is defined on the east side uh, by the Continental Divide. They were searching for the Shoshone and hoping to trade for horses and get information about the country ahead. And they came upon some Indian women that were digging uh, wild carrots, and they were led, uh, and Sacagawea was with them at the time. No, they were traveling. Lewis and Clark at this juncture was traveling by canoe. Uh, they had pretty much finished that because, you know, they'd gone as far as they could up the Missouri. Okay, so, so then they were on foot. Yeah, now they were hoping to find horses. Ah. So they had Sacagawea, and they came to a camp where uh, the chief was named Camawate. Well, this was Sacagawea's brother. Really? Yeah, and that's, you know, she was just so excited because she'd been taken years and years ago, you know, and oh. so, uh, and had married uh, um, uh, Charbonneau. I see. Uh, Tucson Charbonneau. Yeah. So uh, she was, again, she was a guide with uh, Tucson. So anyway, she was so excited because here's her brother. She's reunited with her family. So, anyway, so Captain Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, as you just mentioned, they faithfully recorded everything they saw in their experiences as they crossed the land. I mean, they have all these journal accounts that they kept very good records. And we have these because they're written uh, from 1805 to 1806, so we can read those today. Yeah, how big an entourage did they travel with? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I'm thinking they had like... Forty. Oh, they had that many. They had quite a few. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But so there's another unwritten account that took place between the explorers and the Shahapshin, Chinookan, Salish, and coastal tribes. And Please don't say that again. <laughs> that story is from the oral history of the natives themselves. For example, the Nez Perce tribal history of what Lewis and Clark first came to the Nez Perce at the Camas Gathering Grounds in Idaho is very specific, and it tells what happened from their perspective. Mm. So these and that's an oral history. Yes. So these were very carefully told from generation to generation and very, very accurate. So people that have been able to interview some people that maybe it was their great grandfather or great great grandfather that was that was there with Lewis and Clark. So it's pretty accurate what they have uh, recorded now in the written word. You know, the thing is, and you've said this many times, you were on top of this a long time ago, that the Indian tribes did not have anything written down at all. Right. So exactly. how much of a distortion do you believe happened on per story basis? Well, like I say, they repeated these stories often to their kids and their grandkids. And I think the kids and the grandkids memorized those stories pretty much word for word. So I think they're pretty accurate what was passed down and finally uh, interviewed by uh, us to get pretty much what the story really was. Hmm. So I think it's fairly accurate. 
But, you know, the Lewis and Clark first encountered the Nez Perce, which was the largest group of the collective tribes, when they came out of the snow-covered Bitterroot Mountains. They were starving, they were exhausted, and they were met uh, with the Indians that were willing to share their food uh, to, to help them out. So, and this was in... Uh, the September, so it was fall of 1805, the main party of explorers had succeeded in making their way across this grueling, life-threatening section of the entire expedition. And according to Sergeant Patrick Gass, he said, quote, the most, the most terrible mountains I have ever seen. Uh, so they, well, you've been up there. I mean, it's rough country. Oh, it's rough. <laughs> My question goes back to these diaries. Pardon me for interrupting, but I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. Because there were more than just Lewis and Clark's diaries oh, exactly. and, and journals. There were other people. How did they, how did we today ascertain and find all these diaries? Okay. So one of them was Osborne Russell. And he wrote his journal called Journal, let's see, uh, Journal of a Mountain Man. I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but Osborne Russell, there were actually a lot of mountain men that could read and write. You know, uh, we hear that a lot of them didn't, but there were many that did because they could read, they could write, and they wrote their experiences. It's funny how a lot of these things were saved. Yeah, exactly. So, like say, uh, this Journal of a Mountain Man uh, by Osborne Russell is one of the best. So, hmm. but... You know, they had lost precious weeks in their wanderings between present-day Idaho and Montana, looking for the best way over the Continental Divide, and had crossed the divide several times, and they met Shoshone and Flathead Indians, uh, encountering a new language uh, called Salish, and they described that, quote, as sounding like, quote, a gurgling kind of language spoken much through the throat, and that was according to Clark. Yeah. So, anyway... At this point, like I say, they'd come through the mountains, okay? They'd crossed, uh, and they were near starvation. They'd lived off the land as they traveled and had many times uh, lived on just meager portions. At one point, they even killed a wolf and ate it. I can't imagine that was very good. But if you're hungry, you know. On September 21st, they got three pheasants and a duck along uh, with the last of their horse meat. So they were hungry. Oh, they had to eat their horses? They had to eat a horse. I see. So Clark and a party of hunters had gone ahead and returned to meet the main party with a supply of roots, berries, and fish obtained from the Nez Perce. Well, Clark's hungry, ragged party, exhausted from the forced march, came upon a small party of Nez Perce uh, Indian women digging roots. And this is on the Weipe Prairie. Do you know where that is? That's I think so. It's kind of on the on the western side of Idaho yeah. towards towards Washington. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so the Nez Perce fed them and made them feel welcome. Now this um, what's you, what's you what's you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> what's yes? What's yes? She had lived among the white people. All right. And she told them, the, the, the Nesper, she said, the whites can be our friends. Do them no harm. And uh, so then, um, according to the Nesper, now this is the story that's been passed down by them. This is their story. The explorers may not have been as safe as they thought. Because at first, the Nez Perce were kind of excited and a little bit alarmed. The explorers looked pretty rough, 
kind of strange looking. Most of the warriors had left earlier to hunt, and so they didn't have much of a defense in this little uh, camp. Yeah. This little Indian camp. Yeah. So it seems the explorers, you know, bearded, dirty, didn't know what went on behind the scenes of the camp and would have given uh, Wetsius a little more of notice. Uh, she was in her teepee when Clark and the others appeared. So the report is that Wetsius is not even mentioned in their journal writings, not in, in Lewis and Clark's writings. But except for her determination, uh, She'd been on the other side of the mountains as a captive, so she knew about the white people. And Clark and his small party might have been killed uh, if she hadn't run to two miles downstream to Chief Twistetair's camp to tell her story. So she ran to the chief and basically said, "These are good guys. Don't you know? Don't kill them." Wow. So again, these oral traditions are taken seriously by people who don't write their histories. So the telling and retelling of occurrences result in a detail and accuracy that are carried forth for generations. Um, now, for example, a Nez Perce elder uh, told the story of Wexius. So this is her story. So Wexius means lost from home, then came back. That's what Wexius means. Lost from home, then came back. And her story of danger and adventure Mm -hmm. rivals those of the expedition. She was only a small girl, the elders say, accompanying her people on a buffalo hunt to the flathead country of Montana when she was taken captive by the enemy tribe. And they think maybe it was probably Blackfeet Indians. Mm Her journey was toward the beginning of the day, meaning to the east. So they captured her and they headed east. Okay. And she was carried eastward. She was either traded or sold. Ultimately, she became the wife of a man they think may have been a Frenchman that lived somewhere on an island in a big lake. And this may have been the Great Lakes area somewhere back there, clear back into the Great Lakes. Oh, my. So she had traveled a long ways from yeah. her, where she was born. So a child was born to her there, and when she heard that her husband planned to take her across the big water to his homeland, in other words, France, she decided she didn't want to go. So she took off with her baby on her back. And they say that white people may have helped her to escape from her husband. So, again, she had a good experience with the white people. Yeah. Well, it took an entire day to row from the island to the mainland. So it must have been an island way out in the middle of this Lake Superior or whatever. She carried a hatchet and a small pot for cooking her meals and uh, affirmed her faith in her Wayakin, or spirit power, wolf to guide her to her homeland, which she knew to be where the sun sets, or to the west. So she's out in the Midwest. Yeah. And she leaves. Yes. And when you look west, that's a pretty big area. <laughs> that's a long and way. And she found her homeland? Yeah. But she she claimed she was guided by the spirit power of the wolf, which <laughs> in her case was her her spiritual... You and I can barely find Twin Falls. I know it. Yeah. So according to the legend, she was, and this is the, the what's handed down, she was indeed guided by a wolf. She began walking westward. When she came to a big river, she simply began making a raft to cross. As she rode away from shore, she saw a grizzly bear coming toward her. Uh-oh. 
Okay, the grizzly bear jumped in the water and is coming after her. Uh oh. She decided to kill the bear and place her child in the middle of the raft. Kill She's a floating. bear with what? She's got a hatchet. That's not very much for a grizzly bear. She, I don't know how big of a bear it was. She it doesn't raised, have to be big. She raised her <laughs> war hatchet. And she waited for the grizzly to approach. When it got close, she gave it one blow to the middle of its big head. The bear kind of wavered, but launched another attack. She struck again. As the bear floated away bleeding, she got away. Wow. Okay. So, Wexias continued her journey, uh, walking many days with little food. Pretty soon, there was no milk for her and baby. And she had her baby. Yeah. But she, pretty soon, she didn't have enough milk for her baby. Her baby died about a day's travel no, from, from no. the Flathead country. She was close to home because the Flathead were kind of close kin to her people. Mm -hmm. She buried the child. You can imagine. Here she's been away from her family. She's sick and grieving because, you know, she's just lost her baby. She was finally found by some Nez Perce who were returning from the hunt and at last was taken over the mountains back to her own people. This doesn't make any sense to me at all how those people in those days and those times had that kind of sense of direction. Well, I'm amazed. Uh, yeah, and I've told, I believe I've told you the story about Chief Pocatello's mother. Yeah. She was, she traveled, I don't know how many miles, back to her people, back to uh, Fort Hall and into the city of Rocks area. Miles and miles and miles of... If know, honestly, if if I took you someplace in the, in the wilderness right now, right. and turned uh, you around a couple of times with a blindfold, and then took the blindfold off, could you find your way home? Well, let's say let's take for example up in the Island Park area. Okay. Okay. There's miles and miles of pine trees. If I was stuck right in the middle of that, where you couldn't hardly see the sun, uh, which way would you go? You know, I I, I agree. And in any way you go, you could be off as much as one two hundred miles. Yeah. So which way do you go? Wow. You know? I mean, I've always been told. When I went deer hunting and elk hunting with my dad, he said, if you get lost, you find a stream and just follow it downstream. Just keep going because you'll finally come to a river or a road or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's what that was my advice from my dad. But so Wexia, she spent the rest of her life with her people and was able to serve as a liaison of goodwill for the Lewis and Clark expedition, perhaps because she recalled her earlier kindness by the whites. And again, her Indian name, Wexius, means lost from home, then come back. That's what it means. But she made the journey before Lewis and Clark and then uh, was friends with them. She had not spoken out... uh, you know, if she hadn't spoken out to Chief uh, Twisted uh, Tail, uh, who knows what would have happened. They might have killed some of the yeah. Lewis and Clark expedition. The kids for today, they would say, uh, lost from home, please send money. <laughs> <laughs> Call me on my cell phone. <clears throat> so anyway, the relationship of Lewis and Clark explorers with uh, the Nez Perce was pretty much important in the success uh, and the survival of the explorers themselves. You know, they'd survived the terrible mountains. They were now on their way to the Pacific. They knew that the Lewis River, which uh, is the, uh, the present-day Snake River, 
was pretty close, and that would lead them to the Columbia and to the Pacific Ocean. It was called the Lewis River? Yeah, for a while. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, I need to check on that because I don't know if some of it. I know there's the Clark River yeah. up there in the Coeur d'Alene area, but I'm not sure about the Lewis River. But uh, anyway, they were pretty relieved. They were safe. They wasted no time in trying to get their strength back. They had food, and uh, immediately they went about gathering information on the best way to get to the ocean. They paid a, a visit to uh, the nearby chief, Twisted Hair, who had been the one who had been alerted by Wexius. The chief uh, camped nearby with his two wives, and he offered ha- uh, hospitality. Outside his shelter, he accommodated Lewis by drawing a map on an elk skin and shared their meager supplies of food. And this was an indicator of the kind of relationship that the explorers had with the Nez Perce. And nobody got into any kind of a fight. No. Good. They provided friendly assistance without threat or formality or expecting anything back. Hmm. And so that's kind of the story of Wexius, the Nez Perce, and Lewis and Clark. There you go. Interesting so, story. You know, and I, you know, there's bits and pieces of Lewis and Clark that I've told along the way. And I've got a book here that I quite like, uh, uh, Lewis and Clark in the Northwest. And uh, so I'm going to tell a few more stories about their experience down the Columbia River and getting to Astoria. And Real quick, answer this for me. Where are in the archives or museums, where are the original texts of uh, the writings of Lewis and Clark? You know, that's a good question. I my as as i recall i believe there's a university back there that has some of them but for some reason i was thinking that some got destroyed in a fire too now i hmm. that's just going by my rough memory of uh, but i know that there are some that are in a university uh, like uh, I don't know, back in Kansas or Missouri. We've got to find that out. Somewhere. Have that next week on the program. Yeah. That's your homework assignment. And I'm going to may continue with some more of uh, Lewis and Clark as they head down the Columbia River. I appreciate that.